I would absolutely recommend that you do a deep dive into the space just as a volunteer, not using your professional skill set first and just learn the space. I, I see so many times and I've talked to a lot of friends and colleagues about this where it's like so many times professionals, especially in tech, will like present a solution to a problem that they don't really know much about because it's easy to be like, oh, I'm a web developer and I'm sure this food bank needs a web app. And it's like, maybe they don't. Tap into the minds of change makers creating real impact on people and our planet. It's time to live your purpose. I'm your host, Dale Wilkinson, and this is Good Makers. Hey, how you doing? Welcome to episode 13. I'm so glad you're here. I have a good one for you today. But first, if you haven't already, and this is your first time here, hit subscribe so you get notified each and every week when there's a new episode. My mission with Good Makers is to bring you insights and practical advice from change makers and professional and personal performance experts to help you live a life of purpose. Whether you're looking to start your own business, lead a social good initiative, or just start using using your skills for good in your current workplace or career, we have something for everyone here on Good Makers. This episode, I got to chat with Sachin Medica, who is the founder of Instant Outreach. Instant Outreach is a mobile communication tool that allows service providers to speak directly to their patrons. Sachin created this specifically from his experience volunteering for organizations that were serving people who were experiencing homelessness. We have a really good conversation about everything that goes into that initial ideation stage of developing a product or service. He gives advice on how to do customer discovery and research so you can really understand the problem you're trying to solve. He talks about the challenges and how to navigate between working for a for-profit and volunteering your services to a cause that you care about versus going full-time to create a mission-driven startup of your own. And we talk about some of the traps to avoid as an early stage founder when you first start developing a solution to a problem that you may not be fully educated on yet. Get your notepad, some really great takeaways coming up. Here's my chat with Session Medica. Session, how you doing, man? Thank you so much for joining the show. Totally. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. You've been a longtime volunteer and consultant for nonprofits, and you've just recently launched your own mission-driven tech startup, which we'll jump into that in just a sec. But what drove you to begin a career in social impact? So I, I think what it was, was that I had always wanted to get in that space. And I think personally, I had been doing volunteer work, even in school and things like that. When I got out of school, I was doing software. So I, I started a software design and development studio. I was building software for just startups, not mission-driven, just any kind of startups or sometimes mm -hmm. brick and mortars. I'd help them do basic things. Um, but I was still volunteering on the side a lot. And I kind of recognized while working in that space that there was a need for creating innovative tech solutions sometimes or helping just make things more efficient. And so, well, really the start of it was that I built this app for these uh, homelessness service events that were happening in my area that allowed them to do outreach to folks living in the area, letting them know that there were showers or hot meals. And that kind of took off in a, in a way that was cool that other nonprofits wanted to use it. And so 
I kind of was like, oh, working in tech and working also in in the nonprofit and, and homeless services space is is something that people need. So it kind of was inspiring in that way. And I was like, oh, I, and then I kind of pivoted into focusing on that. Got you. But why did you care in the first place, like to even volunteer? Like how old were you? So this was in high school? So when I was in, yeah, I guess in high school, even I was like volunteering with like big brothers, big sisters and things like that. I think I had a lot of really good influences. Like some of my good friends were people who were really like, uh, ethically driven folks. Yep. And so I think that I always knew that I would want to get into doing something that was a humanitarian cause or something that I felt like would be like impactful on the earth in a good way in some way like that. I didn't know what that would be because there are so many causes out there. There's so many things that you can get involved with. And then I think when I came to LA, I had started getting involved in like local politics, even a little bit like neighborhood councils and like very like low level things. And, and I think just in LA homelessness I think it's just apparent, like it's clearly this huge humanitarian crisis. It's mm-hmm. everyone sees it and it's, and it seems like so little is being done. And, and it's just, it's so hard to see these folks living in such dire conditions. And I think that I got started when I, when I realized that, okay, I live here so I can get involved. Like it's, it's not like this is something happening in a different country. This is happening in my neighborhood. And so if I get involved, I, I felt like I could have more of a direct impact. And so that was part of the, the initial launch to start getting into that stuff. Uh, was homelessness always a cause that you really cared about? Like Totally. The work that I had done previously was mostly around working with uh, mostly like kids from backgrounds where they didn't have access to like certain like education opportunities or, or even financial opportunities. So that was ranging from just like tutoring to like camp counselor. Like I, that was what I did is like growing up. And so I came to homelessness much later, like as, as the thing that I wanted to work on. And I think that coincided with me basically moving to the east side of Los Angeles and just seeing the situation and also in a way that was lucky, meeting folks through the neighborhood council system that were already engaged in that work. So it sort of felt like, oh, I, I see an avenue to get involved. Was there ever a time where you had that decision to make whether I'm going to go work with nonprofits and mission-driven organizations versus I'm going to use my skills and go to a venture-backed startup? I think that that's always like, you know, I think that especially in the beginning, I think now, I I think this, I think that I, the work that I do in in these things, I know is the work that I want to be doing. So Mm -hmm. I know that I want to be working on homelessness, I want to be working on humanitarian causes, I want to make it easier for people who are underrepresented or marginalized to get equal access to opportunities and resources and things like that. And I think, it, like, you kind of mentioned it in, in talking about, like, with Good Gigs mission of, like, doing this kind of work but getting paid for it, I think it's really easy to fall into the trap of, like, really spending a lot of time on these causes, but, you know, you're not getting paid sometimes if you're doing it in a certain way. And it's really hard to sometimes accept like, okay, you know, I can, if I was working at Google or if I, if I, you know, use my software developer skills and worked at somewhere else, you just knowing the like the, the jump in salary. And it's not that I need, I, I want that amount of money. Like I, I think I've been happy living, doing this lifestyle, having the freedom to work on these things. But you know, anytime that there is, especially in the early days when there was like, I wasn't totally financially secure and I was trying to do this work, but also try to maintain like my ind- independent company. And it was like, why am I killing myself to do this sometimes, you know? And, uh, but luckily I've, I'm at a point where I do feel more comfortable in terms of doing this work and, and maintaining a balance between volunteer work, but also professional work that's still in the same space. I think earlier days basically was when I was concerned about that choice. 
And is that when you started your studio, your studio where you were developing tech for nonprofits and mission-driven companies? So actually, the, when I started that company, when I started the studio, that was not a, a nonprofit. That was not, it was just purely a design and development studio. So I, and I did that right out of school. So I started that right out of school after doing computer science and having done like, I had like a design background at that point. And so, and I think like, you know, making the choice between having my own company versus working at a big company, that was a struggle in the beginning. And then I think as I got more and more involved in the humanitarian stuff, then it, it blended into like, I think a big thing that I've, I've heard and, and it is kind of tough sometimes, which is like, should I be trying to work directly in this space of nonprofits or whatever humanitarian causes or homelessness or should I go get a really high paying job and just donate mm. as much as I can and it's not obvious it's it's sort of betting on yourself if you're going to say no actually I think I'm going to be more impactful than just donating a lot of money what are some of the arguments that go through your head when you considering both you know I like I do a lot of volunteer work with this organization called Sela and there are a lot of folks who are very involved in SELA who are doing really well, let's say, in the entertainment industry or doing well in, uh, just in tech or things like that. And yeah. they're able to use their resources to really bring a lot of either donations or connections that really do further the mission in a really impactful way. So kind of like the math on that, it's tough because it's like, OK, if I like if I were to go and just try to if my goal was to just try to make as much money as possible or just hope that I retain the sense of what I want to do and make sure that I'm using that money or those resources to try to further the causes I care about. It's kind of hard to guess if that will be more impactful or if it'll be more impactful if I kind of say no to that career oriented lifestyle and mm -hmm. rather try to put my personal work into the space. It's hard to say. I mean, it's like you could, you know, Bill Gates probably has done more for causes than someone who went and did the Peace Corps for a bunch of years, you know, even right. though they're directly working in the space in a way that, but there's also the emotional satisfaction of like, I don't want to be working for some nameless or faceless company, right. working on a product that I don't believe in, especially a product that might be actually bad for the world. I'm just stealing money from them to give to the right cause. And also, I mean, I guess I kind of do want to bet on myself and hope that working in this space, I'm bringing something special to it. I'd like to believe that I can bring something that's more than just money if I work in it personally. And is this what led you to create instant outreach? You know, creating instant outreach, that was funny because it was, it wasn't even, that wasn't my plan. It, I think it was like, I was working on another project. I was working on other things. And instant outreach was just this tool that I built or like the predecessor of instant outreach was like this tool that I built just to help facilitate some of the volunteer work that I was doing. Like I just saw this like need in the space that I was working. And I was like, I kind of built this like quick thing up and running and like had it go. I was like focused on all this other stuff. I mean, I was still doing the volunteer work, but that kept growing and more people started wanting to use it. And so I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> all right, I won't ignore this. So yeah, can you tell me about instant outreach and what the platform actually does? Yeah, definitely. So the tool in the state that is being built out right now basically is a communications platform that's focusing on helping connect uh, services and service providers to people experiencing homelessness or their communities that they serve, depending on whatever that is, through two-way messaging and through event-based messaging that's also location-based. So I, I think uh, talking about how it started, I think will give a sense of how it got there. Um, and originally it started, like I said, just through my volunteer work. So I was working at an event in Echo Park is where I live at the library. It's a once a month event called the Source Event. And it's an event for people experiencing homelessness to come. There's a meal program. They do haircuts, they do showers, um, and you can get access to people who will help you uh, get into housing or, or get access to like benefits cards or food vouchers and things like that. 
And so the way I would volunteer for this event is that I would go like an hour and a half early to the event and I would get a bunch of like waters and information like sheets and I would do what's called outreach or engagement. And I would just go to all the local encampments in Echo Park and I would just let folks know like, hey, today at the library, like right over there, they have, you know, meals and haircuts and blah, blah, blah. And I'd give them the, the thing and just and, and an opportunity to just kind of meet the folks, too. And then I'd go back and I would do check in at the event. And I was finding that my just doing that physical outreach in the morning was bringing like 30 to 50 percent of the wow. attendance because and it make I mean, it's like it's the third Thursday of the month. It's like kind of hard to remember that. And like, but just letting folks know, like, hey, this is the location. It's today. It's in an hour. Here you go. Here's, here's what you'll get if you go. And so I was like, wow, OK, like that's extremely effective, like to do that. And then also in check in, I would be asking if they had a phone. Um, which is one of the questions on the form. And I was finding like over 70% of folks did have some kind of phone. I mean, it might not have been an iPhone or even a smartphone, but it was a phone that you could call or send text to. And so I came up with this idea to basically create a calendar of these events and any day that there was an event like that to send a text to anyone who wanted to sign up and get a notification that there was an event like that in their area. And you're just sending a text from your phone at this point. I, cause I had actually worked with texting tools before just through my software work. So I kind of knew, so, but what I did before I built it was really validate it with folks. So I was talking yeah. to people who were like the folks, the houses folks who were coming that I like was seeing month over month. I kind of got their input. I was like, do you think this would be helpful if I sent this kind of message? I was talking to the event organizer and everyone gave me like, yeah, I mean, it sounds like it would be helpful. So, so I, I, I want I didn't want to just go out and build it like without checking with anyone about it. But when people gave me an indication that they thought it could be helpful, I went and built out this tool it started very like minimal at first where like you're you there were only like two location options and like things like that but it started running with just that event the source event then i started adding other nonprofit events so it expanded to like showers other meal services case management days and we've even been able to do things where it's like we let people know when emergency shelters open the day that they open where normally it's like you have to go out and do just outreach and let people know and so we now have about 200 folks that are in this area who are subscribed to get these notifications. And we send out like 3000 messages a month about wow. different events. Unfortunately, that's been scaled back because of coronavirus. So now there's actually fewer events, which is a real bummer. And it's a bummer to send out messages that are like, oh, this event got canceled. But it's cool to see, you know, just from when it started, which was last year, it really just scaled up in terms of the messages we sent out. How do you approach this time then with coronavirus? And just as your company is getting traction and starting to take off, what's the strategy moving forward? Totally. I, I mean, I actually, this, this time, it kind of, it feels like a, there's like a bit of a race to get more done because right now a lot of people need more opportunity to do non-physical outreach because there's so much information that's constantly changing, whether that be about shelter availability, or that be about like, just even basic information about how to deal with coronavirus, and that we want to be giving these tools out faster than we are able to, <laughs> we're really trying to scale up to, to give this tool to more people so that they can, you know, import their list of patrons or their clients and, and use these tools to make sure that they can communicate with them. We, we have, uh, it started out, like I, I said, as just like kind of a one way sharing of events and now it's we've added there's a way to do two-way communication where a team can like it's all through text but on the on the team side they're able to use like slack or things like that to basically communicate with potentially hundreds of their patrons in a way that's an efficient way 
we're trying to make that tool more available for folks because, yeah, it's harder. Other kinds of outreach are now not even an option sometimes. Have you set it up as a, is it a for-profit company structure or a non-profit? So right now it is, it's just, it's under the company that I had been operating before. So it's uh-huh. essentially just under the company that I had started as a de- design and development studio. And and, and similarly, uh, people have asked me similarly, like, will this be an open source project? And I'm, and I'm open to all of it. I, I think that my, my main goal is to just try to iterate as quickly as possible right now and to give this out and offer this to folks. But I, I want to do whatever is right. Like what what is the best way to to make sure that this company maintains the vision of doing something good and is mm-hmm. as transparent as possible. But I yeah, I haven't I guess I'll just cross that I'll cross that bridge when I get to it, you know. <laughs> Yeah, but I love that just to highlight that though. Like I guess sometimes that's a that's the real key difference between a entrepreneur and a social entrepreneur, right? Your main priority is to serve and to help people, right? Yeah, no, totally. I yeah, people have identified that this kind of tool, it doesn't necessarily restrict itself to the nonprofit space. Theoretically, yeah. you could use this as just like a client management tool. Like it's not or like, you know what I mean? Like it doesn't you whatever service you're offering, you can use this to communicate with your patrons. What what are your thoughts on that? Would you open that up to any company that needs to talk to their patrons or do you have a desire to keep it limited to clients that are mission driven? I think that, I mean, I think that I definitely like, you know, if the tool is up and running and anyone's allowed to sign up, anyone's allowed to sign up. But I I think the, where we're going to focus new features and focus on efficiency is for, I mean, especially we're actually focusing specifically on homelessness is, is the space that we're working on right now. But obviously that could expand to, you know, other potentially like underserved communities and things like that. I think I wouldn't restrict other people from using it, but I definitely, the focus of every new iteration and all the features and who we're trying to serve and like where that's targeted. We're trying to do that at service providers and people experiencing homelessness. Gotcha. Have you had any thoughts of pitching this to investors? That's it's like an option. I've, I've heard people recommend that. I think that someone said, someone said a funny quote to me that was like, if you, if the goal of this is to help people try to avoid investors, <laughs> like, which I mean, so what, what, what I have done is I have tried to secure like grant money, for example, to do this. Yeah. You know, I think depending on the investors that you get, you know, obviously I'm sure that there's some investors out there that are just mission driven and, and kind of understand. But, you know, I think that right when it's like, OK, look, this is now about return, return on investment and we yeah. need to maximize that. I mean, you kind of have to do this. This gets at our that the thing that we talked about before, which is like, you know, you got to still survive. You still got to be making money to support yourself. But at the same time, I think that there's a balance of like, OK, yes, let's get it to a point where it's sustainable or that it's able to grow. But we don't need to be price gouging these folks. I mean, we need to be I, I, I want this to be an accessible tool. And I mean, I, I mean, I know just from my personal work in this space, it's like a lot of nonprofits are running really tight. Everyone who's working, there's a volunteer and all of the money is going into like hygiene kit builds or paying for showers or, or things like that. But then you do have larger nonprofits and things. So I, I guess I really do want to try to make sure that the, the product that we release and are offering always allows folks that from all ranges to like have some form of access to it. And have you had any thoughts about what the business model would be? Would it be a subscription? Yeah. So a a thing that was convenient for us in the very beginning was that for the first like year of it running, I was just paying for this thing, like not thinking of a way to make money off of it just because I saw that it was helping connect folks. It it was like not even a side project. I guess it was a side project, but it was like I wasn't trying to build a product at the end of the beginning. I was just trying to maintain this thing that I saw having a use, especially here on the east side. And then I got lucky because nonprofits 
a couple nonprofits actually saw what I had built and asked if I could build like an extension of it for them. So then the very first few projects were like traditional projects in the sense of a design development studio where I was just extending features, except for this time I was, they were paying me to extend the features, but not to buy, it wasn't their software. Like they, they understood that this is software that was existing and they were paying for like customized elements of the software. Uh, interesting. Which was great. And, and so what that did is it allowed me to like build out features. And of yeah. course these features were specific for what they wanted, but, but they're still scalable because if this, if this nonprofit wants it, there's a good chance another one does. That helped us get farther in terms of what we could offer. And so, but I think what we're going to play with is our, our model moving forward financially is to have a subscription model um, that's based on basically the number of people that you're, that you're, you have as patrons. And I think that that makes sense because it's like, you know, you have a large nonprofit with like thousands of patrons, you know, and they, they need a different tier of ability, but also that'll be a higher cost just literally in terms of our messaging and our servers and things like that. But we, but then that allows us to offer it much cheaper for like these really local nonprofits, you know, like the event that I work in Echo Park every, that's every Tuesday when it's not in a pandemic gets like 60 folks every Tuesday. I mean, it's great, but it's relatively small compared to other nonprofits. So I think scaling it by the number of clients or patrons hopefully works well with those nonprofits. So it scales for them, meets their availability and their ability. And how are you now doing the research with the patrons that are using the service? How do you go about doing that? I think early on, I, I, I acknowledged that I really wanted to make sure that I could be checking metrics on this, that I could be like, look, I don't want to just be sending out texts and just like feeling good about myself. I want to be making sure that people are going or, and so there's a few ways that we are able to validate like efficacy essentially. So the first is that we can do check-ins. So a lot of these nonprofits, when they are having events like this, they will, they'll still be doing check-in for everyone. And we can tie people who with their phone number, if they went to an event after we sent a message and like check that a, a lot of these nonprofit partners will subscribe people to the service and like let us know how many people they're subscribing. So A, we're seeing how how much like enthusiasm there is from their clients about being on the service. And then similarly, a lot of times they'll just let us know like, yeah, actually we got 30% of our folks today were people because they got a message from you. Um, and so we'll hear like qualitative stuff like that. And then also now that it's a two-way system, we're also able to see like how how much messaging is going back and forth? Are the clients of this nonprofit asking questions and using the service to connect with their service provider? And so those are the ways that we're trying to identify like what is effective and like how we can improve. What's the biggest challenge as a tech provider, a tech solution, what's the biggest challenge when you're working with nonprofits? I think there's a few. I think that one of them can be, well, I think from a personal standpoint, it's the, it's the deciding what to charge and, and things like that, because yeah. that, that's always been really tough for me. I mean, I think even with my for-profit clients, you know, if I like, cause I would get really close with my clients and it's like a lot of them were people who were like either bootstrapping or, or didn't have much funding or whatever. So I, I kind of wanted to work with them because I cared about their goal. But now it's amplified tenfold with these groups that are not only good people, but people who are working on causes that I care about. So that's really tough to try to figure out. You just got to do the math. on like, okay, look, if they're sending this many messages and it takes this much server time, like what's the, what's my floor? Like, where do I start losing money if I go below, you know, and at least it gives you a perspective. But then I think in terms of beyond just like the personal thing, I think a thing I've seen working in the space is that oftentimes, and it makes sense, you're working with folks who are, their, their whole 
lives and their whole their the work that they're doing is so driven behind this cause, this humanitarian thing, and they they aren't even thinking about technology. They're like, we need to get food to these people, and it's not their fault. I mean, a lot of the time they don't even have a technical background, like they don't know that Google Sheets exists even or whatever, yeah. you know. And so I think that sometimes there's an element of not convincing, but certainly like helping show what technology can do and how it can actually save money or save time and make the process easier. Sometimes that's a conversation and not something that's obvious to some of the groups that I work with. But then you get some groups that are super tech forward and and that's really cool also. What advice would you give to someone that may not be starting their own tech company, but you know they are creative, they work in tech, or they're just a professional, but want to spend some of their time putting it toward a cause that they care about? What's some advice you'd give to them with regards to balancing that? Like, At what point do you do pro bono versus you discount your rate? Is there any tips to navigate that? Definitely. I, I think that as far as like if, if you have a skill set and you know that a nonprofit needs to use this skill set, right, is, is kind of like how to navigate that. I think it would be based on the nonprofit. I, I think that you kind of have to judge like, you, you know, you certainly can't let yourself get taken advantage of. You know, if, you, if you're working with a nonprofit that clearly is, has all this staff and, you know, they clearly can't afford to pay you. And especially if you're someone who's not financially comfortable on your own. I would say like avoid doing pro bono work if to the degree that you can, because it's unsustainable, if, especially if you're, if you're not financially viable. But if you are financially viable and you literally just want to be giving back, I think doing pro bono work, I've done pro bono work in the past. Like, I think that's, especially if it's for a cause that's, that is underfunded, you know, I've worked with groups that just like, look, they just can't afford the thing. You know, it's not that they aren't, they're trying to nickel and dime me. It's just like, listen, like all our budget right now is allocated towards the cause and no one's getting paid here. I think you kind of have to make the choice based on that and especially based on, yeah, just that person's bandwidth, you know, but I also think that a thing that I would absolutely recommend is that if, especially if you're not already involved in the space of whatever the space is, you know, whether it's, you want to be getting involved in like fostering animals or whatever the thing that is your driving force, I would absolutely recommend that you do a deep dive into the space just as a volunteer, not using your professional skill set first and just learn the space. I see so many times and I've talked to a lot of friends and colleagues about this, where it's like so many times professionals, especially in tech, will like present a solution to a problem that they don't really know much about because it's easy to be like, oh, I'm a web developer and I'm sure this food bank needs a web app. And it's like, maybe they don't. And so I think that I would absolutely recommend like just volunteer your time in the way that they just ask for, which is to say like, hey, we just need people to like foster the dogs or, or to do food delivery or whatever, you know, it, it doesn't have to be your professional skill set at first. And, and then when you're in that space, you'll learn more about it. You'll learn where the pain points are and you'll learn about the, the, the group that you're working with. And you'll know if they, they just do need tech support and they can't afford it or design work and they can't afford it, or if they can't afford it and you can give them maybe a discounted rate. Since I started working in this space, I transitioned my pricing model for just my design and development studio into a nonprofit and for-profit pricing tier. And I give about a 25% discount to nonprofits for the work. So I think it depends on the situation. It depends on the person. But I, I think that burnout is something that happens when people don't give themselves enough balance. And it's easy to do that. It's easy to be part of a cause that you care a lot about and kind of like put the cause first over yourself. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing to do. But I think that if you work so hard in a cause that you do burnout and you can't do it anymore, you're doing both yourself and the cause a disservice because if you, had had, if you were able to do it in a more balanced way, you could have been doing it for a lot longer. Mm. Would that advice go for people that potentially want to start their own tech startup, uh, mission-driven tech startup, 
they have a cause that they care about. Is that the same kind of advice? Get involved with that cause first? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I mean, I, get, I would give that advice to even just not, uh, even to tech companies that are not uh, mission-driven. But, but certainly if they're mission-driven, it's like you need to know the space like backwards and forwards. You need to know what tools are out there, what people are already doing, like what needs to be improved, like who the end customers are going to be when, you know, with the idea that you have, certainly with like cause-based organizations and, and, and products, it's like, you need to understand that cause, you know, for the tool that I had built in Snapreach, you know, it started with texts because that's something that people can access. You know, I'd seen people be ma- making these like iOS apps for people experiencing homelessness. And it's like, sure, some people have iPhones, but a lot of people don't. And it's like, you have to know your audience. And even then, like a lot of people can't get texts. So I think it's like, there's insights that you get from really immersing yourself in the space that you wouldn't just get as an outsider who's just recognizes that they have a skill set and recognizes that maybe there's a need, you'll, you need to understand it. Or I, I feel like you're, you're doing yourself and the cause a benefit if you really take the time to get involved and learn that space as well as you can. Yeah. And probably wasting a lot of time and resources on your end. <laughs> totally. Yeah. 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 A lot of my clients that uh, were just for-profit clients, you know, we'd have a meeting and they'd, they'd explain what they want to build. And I, I would just be like, so like, have you heard of this thing that does that? Or, you know, and like, no, I don't, and I don't like to, I'm not trying to make them feel bad. And so I definitely like say it in a nice way. So many people are ready to like put money down before doing like competitor analysis or any, you know, any kind of like research like that. And it sucks to do competitor analysis. It sucks to like look for competitors and be like, oh, there is a competitor, you know? And like, yeah. so I guess I just not do it. It's like, well, no, but still that's useful because then you can see, well, are there, are there still gaps in the space? Like, what aren't they doing? Like, what can I, you know? Yeah, it's better to uh, do a couple hours research on the weekend just on Google than many months and many tens of thousands of dollars that you've just wasted. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, you know, if you find out that's not the right cause, like find another one. You know, I think people who are like have that entrepreneur spirit, like they're going to, that idea wasn't their only idea. If you have a passion for something and you have, even if you don't really have a skill set in it, but especially if you have a passion and a skill set, it's like you'll find a way to, to further that cause. And it might not be the first thing, but as long as you stay with the cause and stay in the space, other opportunities will arise. Speaking of opportunities, where do you think there is opportunity in the social impact space that may be still untapped? I think that uh, there is a lot of opportunity in a lot of the nonprofit space in a social impact space. Oftentimes I've found that there people are still on paper, <laughs> you know, like as, as simple as getting people off of paper applications. Like I just, I just this last week helped create for a safe parking operator, which is like for people who like live in their vehicles and like provide them a safe place to stay. I made them their first online application and everything else had been in paper before. And and so there's, I think there's a lot of opportunity for not even reinventing the wheel. Like, it's not like they need an app or they need a whole new system. It's like, hey, like just helping folks connect with resources that exist already. You know, it's like, hey, use MailChimp, like use Airtable, use Google Sheets. I, I don't need to make you a whole a new spreadsheet application. I just need to teach you how to use this and maybe get you up and running, like get you the template so you can use this or like use a Squarespace. You don't need, you don't need someone to code you a whole website. I'll show you how to use the CMS and now you can update your blog posts every time you do one and it's faster than what you were maybe doing before. I think there's a lot of opportunity for just like kind of sharing tech literacy. <laughs> so if you're a service provider out there and you you need a tool to be able to communicate to the people that you're serving, <laughs> where can they where can they find instant outreach? They can go to instantoutreach.org. <laughs> awesome. Sachin, it's been such a pleasure talking to you, sir. All the best with instant outreach. Oh thank you so much. Yeah it's been great chatting with you as well. 
hope you were taking notes. Session had some really insightful tips. I loved his advice about first, volunteering before you do anything else on the cause that you want to create a solution for. Really immerse yourself in the issue and speak to everyone involved to really understand what are the actual problems that need solving. And what he just mentioned at the end, that there is a lot of opportunity in the social impact space. So if you want to get involved, look and target organizations that need help updating their tech or website or social marketing and start a conversation about how you can help by providing your unique skill set and services. And speaking of using your skills for good, if you haven't joined Good Gigs yet, make sure to visit goodgigs.app where you can find freelance, remote, and full-time jobs with mission-driven companies who are working on causes that you care about. So get involved. Thank you so much for listening and showing up and being your true awesome self.